Good day everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the Mahabharata as is podcast. In this podcast we explore each and every chapter of the great epic Mahabharata. If you are interested in knowing more about the text and its composition please go back to episode 1. So in episode 3 we will discuss the second section of the Mahabharata story. This section is titled Parva Samagraha Parva and is part of the larger Adi Parva. Mahabharata is divided into main parvas or volumes and sub parvas of sections. Each main parva has many sub parvas just as each volume of a book can have many sections. Please see episode description if you want to understand more about the classification. And finally depending upon the platform where you're listening to this podcast please feel free to leave me a comment question or feedback. Alternatively you can drop me an email at mahabharataazaz@outlook.com. Email is also provided in the description and please like subscribe and share if you find this podcast useful. So what do we find in this parva then? This parva is the continuation of the earlier parva that we explored in episode 2. The same sages are still having a conversation and sage Ugarsharva or Sati as he was also called is relaying the story in bits and pieces at times focusing on this or that aspect of the story. One of the sages asks Sati about the place he mentioned before called Samant Panchaka. Now now you will recall from episode 2 that Samant Panchaka was referred to as a very special place by Sati. He had said that this place was mentioned by Ved Vyasa in the original Mahabharata story and from other Indian literature we find that this place is believed to be near Kurukshetra in modern day India. In response to question posed to Sati as to what makes this place special he briefly recounts the story of Parshuram. Yes. Those who are familiar with the story of Parshuram, he was an earlier incarnation of Vishnu. Sati however refers to him by by the name of Ram. Yes, Ram. Ram was actually his real name. Parshu was the name of the ex that he wielded. He lived in the period when Kshatriyas through their twisted ways had gone corrupt and instead of discharging their governance duties they engaged themselves in corrupt practices. At the same time gross injustice was committed against Parshuram's family. His father and many of his friends and fellows were unjustly killed for speaking truth to power. Parshuram took it on himself and declared open rebellion against these kings. He fought fierce battles and eventually brought these kings down to their knees. He was fierce in battle, cutting down his enemies with his axe as a hot knife cuts through butter. The axe became just another part of his body and eventually part of his name. Sati narrates this story to the sages present and one of the curious sages asks a very natural question. How the story of Parshuram is actually linked to the story of Mahabharata? The place at which Parshuram fought his decisive battle came to be known as Samant Panchaka. This name suggests five lakes of blood indicating the extent of massacre that must have happened. Many ages later and other great war was fought on the same place the war between Kauravas and Pandavas and this was unlike any other this place might have witnessed a total of 18 akshonis of armies were assembled and virtually all of them were slaughtered this is what we know as mahabharata war and that war is the subject matter of the mahabharata story one of the sages then interrupted sati at this this point 
Perhaps he couldn't fully appreciate the sheer size of the armies that were assembled during the Mahabharata war, so he asks about the meaning of Akshonis and how large one Akshoni is. Sauti explains the meaning of Akshoni as a unit of army. Like in contemporary times, we have company, platoon, battalion, regiment, etc. Akshoni is also an ancient version of units in the armies. Sauti explains that this is that in this unit system, at the most fundamental level, we have what we call pati, which comprises of a chariot rider, an elephant rider, five foot soldiers, and three riders and three horse riders. As you move up in the units from pati onwards, this number increases by threefold. So three patis equal one senmuk, which means that in one senmuk we will have three chariot riders. Three elephant risers, five times three, fifteen foot soldiers, three times three, nine horse riders. From Sainmuk, the next unit is Gulma. Three Sainmuks make up one Gulma. From Gulma onwards, we have Gana. So three Ganas make up, uh, sorry, three Gulmas make up three Ganas. Then from Ganas, we move to Vahini. It's again three Ganas make up one Vahini. From Vahini we have Pratanas, so three Vahinis equal one Pratana. From Vahinis we move up to Chamu, so three Pratanas make up one Chamu. So three Chamus equal one Ankini. And then, if you multiply the total number of Ankinis with ten, you get Akshoni. A simple mathematics will then suggest that one Akshoni equals 21,870 chariot riders, equal number of elephants, 109,350 foot soldiers, 65,610 horse riders. And that is the size of one Akshoni. Now we said 18 Akshonis of armies, so multiply this number with 18 and you get a total number of uh, total size of the army that was assembled in the Mahabharata war. Now I'm sure one of the sages must have asked, but we don't find in this parva that. Uh, Hey Sati, you mean all of these people were killed? And to which Sati must have replied, Well, not all. The handful did survive, but I can count them on my fingertips. And I mean it. Alright, so now we know what an Akshoni means. It is not just another word, but is part of a complex system in which armies were organized in ancient times. Having said that, sages now look clearly impressed by the sheer size of the armies that were assembled and the extent of conflict that happened in Mahabharata's story. They want to know more about, about the story, but Sati is in no mood to relay everything right now. What he says is that, let's hear the outline first. So what this Parva does next is that now we will see a full detailed outline of the whole Mahabharata story. Sauti goes on to explain that Mahabharata is classified into 100 Parvas and he literally starts giving away the entire list as if reading the content page of a very large book. Once he's finished with the 100 Parvas or the list of 100 Parvas, he doesn't say anything what is included in each of those Parvas, he simply gives out a list. So once he's done with that list, he then explains that there's an other outline that classifies Mahabharata into 18 Parvas. 
So this in no way means that the story has been shortened from 100 Parvas to 18 Parvas. It only means that some Parvas in the 100 Parva classification have been combined and thus we have 18 Parva classification. From that point, he then goes to goes on to outline each Parva in the 18 Parva classification. What he does is, he gives the name of the Parva, what are the key themes in that Parva, and how many chapters and shlokas that particular Parva has. So for example, for Adi Parva, he says that this is the first Parva and it's a significantly large one. It contains many preliminary stories about X and Y and about Y and Z. It has 218 chapters and 8000 shlokas. Second Parva is called Sabha Parva. It talks about, for example, building of Pandava kingdom, the death of Shishupal in Jarasand, and the terrible game of dice. It has 72 chapters and 2500 shlokas. He applies the same approach to all other Parvas, gives out the name, outlines its main theme, and mentions the number of chapters and shlokas in each. Now I'm sure Soti must have had to rest after articulating the whole outline because that outline itself is so extensive that it will be hard to read it without losing one's breath a couple of times in between. Sages admire the sheer extent of the story to which Soti adds what then would become a trend line for Mahabharata and for this podcast. What does not exist in it cannot exist. Soti, after hearing this story himself at the snake sacrifice, has reached the firm and indisputable conclusion that whatever is not found in this text cannot exist. This story is a complete manual of fourfold objective of human existence, i.e. dharma, duty, artha or wealth, kama or love and emotions, and moksha, self-realization. These fourfold objectives are addressed in this story in their entirety. That is the conclusion that Sati reaches and that's when this parva ends. So as you can see from this parva that the conversation here again is merely to put out the summary of the main text and provide in a way an outline of its contents. The conclusion reached is also very interesting. Whatever does not exist in this text cannot exist. It obviously is a metaphor and is only pointing to the sheer size of the story itself and the complexity of its characters and, and the number of plots and subplots it has. Personally speaking, I have been exposed to this story through various means and every time I hear the story, something new and something marvelous comes out of it. So far, nothing has happened in my own life which I cannot link back to a particular event in the story. Whatever does not exist in this text cannot exist. With that, we'll end this episode here and in the next episode, we'll cover the third sub-parva in the Adi Parva called Poshya Parva. Until then, goodbye and take care. Thank you.